Psalm 51 verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy mul- the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only, thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. God bless you. You can be seated. Talked about sin this morning and how the churches are not doing anybody any favors by acting like sin is not sinful. The Bible says that wickedness is is uh, it's a reproach, it's a shame to any nation. And we are seeing sin paraded and sin celebrated. And sadly, that there are very few in this last day that will stand up and, and make that difference between the holy and the profane. We talked about how important it is to recognize that, that there is mercy. And, and something that we preach so often and and can't really overstate in any way is that God's people are merciful people. If you want to receive mercy, you need to be merciful. That's what Jesus said. Well, you need to know how to forgive. When Peter came and he thought he was doing pretty good, you know, in his generous kind of idea, he said, God, Lord, if If someone sins against me, should I forgive them seven times? And he thought, everybody's looking at me like, wow, you're a pretty merciful guy. And the Lord said, seven times? How about seven times 70? He tells us to be good at mercy. To be good at forgiveness. And to, to, to be... Forgiving to one another. Amen. The Bible talks about uh, over and over and over again about about recognizing that that you have been forgiven a an unpayable debt. If you've heard the word of God like you should have, you'd realize that God has done you such a great service to forgive you of your sins. When you recognize how holy he is, when you recognize how clean and how pure he is, you can't look around and say, oh, I wasn't so bad. I mean, I know these other people, they did way worse than me. No, you realize, God, I was, I was a, a wretch and you showed me mercy. And how can we who have been shown such great mercy by almighty God go ahead and not be merciful to those around about us who who have done us wrong. So but let me tell you God that tells us to forgive, God that tells us to be merciful, God that tells us to 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 forgive 7 times 70. He's a God that'll forgive you. You see we read it earlier this morning and we may go ahead and turn to it again here tonight that uh God's given us his word so that we don't sin. It'd be so much better for you to make the right choice. It'd be so much better for you to not yield to temptation. There used to be songs a long time ago. They'd sing songs like, yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Now it's just kind of a lot of uh, God understands and God knows my heart kind of 
kind of ideas here, but but if you would just go ahead and recognize that I was so excited. I hope it you understand just when when you hear something like this, I I was I was had a little bit of time with Christopher and and he was talking about just being careful in some situations because he recognized that one thing might go ahead and lead to a greater temptation and kind of feed into something what you're watching. What you're listening to. And I said, you know what, Christopher, that is the wisdom that I was talking about the other day. To recognize, you know what, this might not seem like such a big deal, but I know what kind of maybe suggestions that it brings in and some things that it might just kind of kind of tempt you with and what you're watching, what you're listening to, even the people that you're around. And then, you know what, after a while, that that feeds the wrong part of you, that part that you're saying no to, that part that you want to deny. And after a while, it that that feeding of that makes that flesh, that carnal nature stronger. And then it wants more. And then you end up sinning. And we're, we're not done with it because after sin, there's regret. Can I tell you, when we tell you, when we preach to you, be better for you to to avoid and say no to temptation. We recognize so many times I've seen people playing games and not being so wise. And I think, don't you realize those that we hear testified about, all oh, those that give up and those that quit and those that break our hearts and go away. Can I tell you, they start so small, but after a while, they don't, you don't realize the, the price you pay when when sin is done with you, you're left with that regret and with that, that disappointment in yourself and, and that condemnation, the shame of sin. Right, and you, you've broken that strong fellowship that you had with God that, that made you feel like you could just, like the psalmist said, run through a troop and leap over a wall. Now you feel like just the littlest devil in the, the enemy's army can knock you over. Right. And you're ashamed of yourself. And and sometimes, depending on the type of sin that is committed, there's a there, there's a pride that comes in. So I don't have to go back there and have to get to an altar or have to have to make things right. I, I know what I'm doing, and, and and it can be very difficult. Listen to me. I don't ever want to downplay the effects of sin. I think a lot of times people get mixed up and. They don't realize that, hey, this, it'll mess you up. It'll it'll take away your joy. It'll mess with your mind. And and, and it'll plant things into your life that that will confuse you. And and like I said, cause shame and condemnation and guilt. And it, it wasn't because Abel was a bad guy that Cain slew him. It was Cain's sin that made him hate his brother. Amen. It wasn't God's fault that Adam didn't want to run into his presence like he did so many times. It was Adam who sinned. Shame and guilt will will mess with your head and mess with your life. But I do want to make it clear, though, we're not going to downplay all that because there's a battle and there's a struggle. And I, I want to help you stay away from that. But this is a, a, a house of, uh, of mercy that we want to help you get back up again when you fall. It's not always as easy as you'd like it to be. And, but, but this is a place where you can get back up if you'll, if you'll do it right. 
Now, if you want to just strut back into church and act like you didn't do anything wrong and it's no big deal and act like, hey, I said I was sorry. You ought to be happy for that. And I'll tell you what, you're not going to do very well. And I want to talk about that kind of casual attitude towards sin and mercy. See, because when God shows you mercy, oh, he's done you a big favor. He's already washed you. He's already cleansed you. He's already forgiven you. You can get right. But don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take it lightly. Look at what David said. You know, David messed up, to say the least. And it's always interesting to look at David's sins in light of Saul. You know, Saul was the king before David. And Saul, what did he do? He was supposed to wait for the prophet Samuel so that they could pray and give a sacrifice and For whatever reason, Samuel was not on time, and Saul said, we can do this without it. Samuel came up and said, what what are you doing? This isn't your place. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Saul never really humbled himself and got that right. After a while, Samuel later on told Saul, listen, the Amalekites are very evil, and for generations I've had mercy on them and, and, and had patience with them, but their judgment has to be given to them now. And Saul, I'm going to use you to do my will. Saul, you go into Amalek and you just kill them all. Don't leave one of their animals alive and just go in there and bring my judgment. You're going to be like the the, the fire and brimstone that rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And when Saul came back from the victory of that battle, Samuel had already been given the heads up from God and God does that sometimes. And Samuel walks up to Saul and said, so did you do what God told you to do? Oh, yeah, sure we did. We did it great. We did it all just like God said. I remember God saying, kill them all, even the animals. Uh Uh-huh, sure. Well, what's the the sound of sheep? And and I hear hear oxen in the background. Well, well, he probably came up with on the spot. We, we saved the best, but we're going to give that to God. Really? Who's that? That's king of the Amalekites. He said, you're going to do all this for God. God would rather you obey him than have your sacrifices. And Samuel was an elderly man at this time. And in my mind, I see his zeal for God, and it might not really seem like it goes along with some of our understanding, maybe, but I see the passion and the fire in him. And this elderly saint of God, this man who had walked with God and heard from God, says, says, somebody hand me a sword. And the Bible says he hews or he cuts Agag to pieces right before the Lord. Because that's what God said to do from the beginning. So what are Saul's transgressions? Didn't wait for the preacher, kind of got out of his lane and did the sacrifice without the prophet there. He saved the best for God, supposedly. Didn't kill all the Amalekites. So it seems like maybe he's, you know, he's good at maybe partial obedience. But God talked to him and said, I'm done. There was no real heart of humility ever shown in Saul. He was more worried about what people thought, more worried about his reputation Never really humbled himself and made things right the right way. Then you move to David, and David commits adultery. The woman 
becomes pregnant from this affair and he tries to cover it up and sends her husband into the heat of the battle and withdraws the protective troops around him so that he, a faithful just help to his kingdom, is killed. God says, you killed him. That was your order. You used the Ammonite sword against him. You did that. You murdered him and tried to cover up your adultery. David got mercy. What's the difference? God doesn't play favorites. But if you'll humble yourself, God will forgive you. My fear today is that sometimes people go on their lives and have fallen and stumbled so many times. They get up and keep going. But you don't see the humility and you will never be blessed. You'll never see God's God's real mercy in your life until you learn how to humble yourself and and be like David here. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Part of making God wants to make things right. God is I said it before. And and I let me just quickly quote some scripture. He's he delights in mercy. He loves to show mercy. He is his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him. His mercy endures forever. He's plenteous in mercy. On and on and on. We can see that God, it's just who he is. It's it's part of his character, his nature to be merciful. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. The idea that we can just take for granted falling and failing and saying, oh, you know what? No big deal. Everybody sins. Sorry about that. If I did anything wrong. I'm not so sure that this Bible teaches that kind of forgiveness. I've seen people say and do some of the, some some very cruel, very very horrible things in my life, and 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 seen them just want to make sure I'm not going to hell, and maybe send a quick text message. Sorry about that. Say something, you know, just, hey, sorry if, if, if I hurt you or offended you in any way. Sorry that I... And you don't really see any acknowledgement of transgression in that. There's never any healing. There's never any real building back up to what God would do through your failures. See, God can take your failures and, and really turn them around and give you wisdom and give you the ability to, to be better. Again, I'm not taking it lightly, but God can take your failures and, and through them, like I said, you, make you better through them. It's a hard lesson to learn that way. But it's like a bone that is broken. If, it's, if it heals properly, it'll be stronger than it was before. But only if you, if you repent like God's called you to repent. This quick and easy idea that, you know, before God could move in to your temple, your heart, your life, there had to be a cross. That's the payment of your sin. That's the seriousness of your sin. Calvary, to, to think about the blood that was shed, the beating and the thorns and the mocking and the shame of that, that is what it took to take away your sin. Don't take it so lightly. Especially after you've been to the cross, after you've seen what he did for you. 
Don't take it lightly. David said, I acknowledge my transgression. You go on and read this psalm and others like it. These were psalms that he wrote in, in, uh, in repentance, in, in sorrow for his sin. And he'll say, I, I was made sinful. I was shapen in iniquity. I, I was formed in sin. I, 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 my sin is ever before me. I can't get away from it. I know what I did. I know how bad it was. And I want God, I want you to know, I know what I did. And I know how bad it was. That was not just a quick, I'm sorry. I want you to know that I recognize I hurt you. I want you to know I recognize that I did damage to the friendship that you paid so much for us to have. Look what it says. Drop down to verse 10. Here is a heart of someone who is feeling the condemnation, feeling the shame, feeling that separation. I, I don't know if uh, if anyone else has ever experienced just the, the chastisement of a parent in a healthy way. There's so much uh, abuse that has gone on. But to be sent to your room for a while, maybe, maybe after a spanking, hey, it's, it's, it's different. It's a different feel. It's a different look on... Mommy or daddy's face than it was when you were at the park. It's a lot different look than when you were talking about how school went around the dinner table. And maybe there's just been a time where you felt like, you know, it's more than just a sting in the seat of my pants. But it's there's a sting in my heart that I disappointed them. There's too many Christians that... Don't think about that, that don't consider that. And, and you've gone your way and, and don't think it doesn't t- pay a toll when you just continually just fall and fail. I'm sorry. Uh, no big deal. You know, uh, I hope I don't do it again. And, and don't really, really just acknowledge your transgressions. Look what David said. Create in me a clean heart. I didn't just make a mistake, God. I made a choice, and there's, that choice came from my heart, something in my heart that, that needs to be fixed. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Say, oh, it just slipped out. It must have slipped from something. I need a clean heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Yes. I made a mistake. Wait a minute. You made a choice. Yes. Where'd that come from? Your heart. Right. All your law-keeping and all your rule-keeping, you need a clean heart. Right. And David says, create in me a clean heart. Why can't I ever get right? Well, you need your heart cleansed. Renew a right spirit within me. I'm telling you, I'm reading this from the Bible. But there's a lot of so-called Christians, let me say, that don't relate to, to what God is saying. I'm telling you, they don't have the, a right relationship with God. If you can just fail and stumble and play around with sin and not feel like you've got to say, cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's what he said. Oh, you know, everybody sins and it's no big deal. I'm telling you what, you must not have either been walking real good before you sin or you must not really get it right now how bad your sin was. If you can say, oh, you know, everything's just fine. God's that merciful. That's not what David said. 
Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't give up on me. Clean my heart. Make my spirit right and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He recognized, he acknowledged he had lost something when he had failed. Hold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. That's what I was saying. That bone is going to be stronger after it has been broken and healed properly. Then I can go back and say, don't you go back that way. Don't you do what I did. I hope you understand. I hope you recognize that if you've sinned and you've failed and I get up here and I start and I somehow preach about a sin that you've committed or something that you've done in your past and have made right. We're not trying to dig that up. We're trying to warn others. Hey, don't do that. And you ought to be the first to say, amen. Amen. And if I feel like God wants to help you make sure that you don't keep falling the same direction, we say, hey, let's look a little closer. Have you really repented? Have you really made it right? That's smart. That's wise to make sure that, that you have the joy of your salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Look what it says in verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Let me tell you just in a few words what that really means. It means when you humble yourself before God, he will get you'll get his attention. A proud, arrogant God owes me because he's just so merciful kind of attitude. God resists that. But somebody that's humble and broken and says, I was wrong. But I was done wrong. Hey, can I tell you something? David not once threw Bathsheba under the bus. Didn't he mention her? Well, you know what she did? Not a bit. We can try to figure out. We don't know the story. And God doesn't tell it really to us at all. Well, maybe she should have been a little more careful. Maybe she should have stopped things. And David said, hey, this is between me and God. Nobody else's fault but my own. I sinned against you. And I'm telling you, in a real world, there's nobody here that hasn't been done wrong. In a real world, you may have been done. You've heard me say it before, most of you. You may have been done wrong ten times more than what you have done. That doesn't clear you. Samson was looking to seek revenge. And in one place he said, if I do this, I'll be less guilty than the Philistines. Less guilty than a Philistine? Is that the goal you're, you're trying to reach? If you're less guilty than them, you're still guilty. And you'll still give an account before God. I don't know why God would allow things to come into your life to hurt you and to do you wrong. I, I don't know what God's plan was, but this world is full of things that are unfair and hurtful. But you'll never stand before God and say, well, see, my sin's not so bad because they really started it. Mm, they started it, God. You need to get right. You need to acknowledge your sins. What if you would have just said, God, I've been doing, they've been doing me so wrong, pushing my buttons and making me feel so little and coming against me so much. You know what? I think I need to pray a little bit harder. 
You know, maybe I need to really just just deny myself and get in the presence of God and and, and be an overcomer. I'd hate to stand before God like like Adam and say, I couldn't live for you because of her. She made me sin. I hate to think that I had to stand behind my wife and say, you know what? If she was right, I could do right. You know, she just she made me. No, I'd, I'd feel like such a wimp. In fact, I don't want to be able to point at anybody in my life and be able to say, you know what? It's because of them I wasn't faithful. You don't think God could go ahead and save Paul and save Daniel and save all these other men and women in the Bible if all they've been through and he couldn't do for you? We talked about it First John 1, verse 9. We read 2-1, I think, this morning. First John 1, 9. Oh, I feel this today. I think God wants somebody here to just go back and look at some things. And that great testimony we had this morning was such a an example, I think, of being able to say, you know what? I said I was sorry, but I found out I really needed to, to be sorry. Help us, God. There, There have been... Some of the greatest transformations, some of the greatest testimonies of God's power and God's grace that God can forgive to the uttermost. He can save to the uttermost. He can do so much in a life that is humble. But so often people are just so, so casual with their prayer of repentance. The Bible talks about a publican. A tax collector next to a Pharisee. He just beats himself on his chest as if feels like I'm just not worthy. I, I just hate who I've become and says, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't see that very often. But I'll tell you what, if you can adopt that, you'll get God's attention. You'll be forgiven in a way that. That brings cleansing and brings renewing and brings that joy of your salvation back. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins. But listen, don't you be satisfied with this idea that says, hey, God's forgiven me and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to cleanse you. If you're not concerned about cleansing whatever got it started, whatever put it in your heart, whatever brought it, you haven't thought about that, you should have. You haven't thought about, hey, how did I get here and how do I never get back here? You haven't taken your sin serious enough. You're doomed to repeat that if you don't really recognize, hey, this wasn't just wrong, God. I need cleansing. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. Help me, God, with this attitude that says as long as I've got a clean slate and I said I'm sorry, if you don't get cleansed, it's more than just just the 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 slate being wiped clean. There's something down in that God's trying to deal with that needs dealt with. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Second Corinthians seven, we're going to close with this. And this is something that just is so you'll hear me go back here time and time again. This is the church and this is uh, there was sin in the church. And 
And it got to a place. I know we don't like to look at this, and I'm telling you, when a preacher stands up and does, does something like Paul said to do here in 2 Corinthians, folks are going to say, what kind of dictator does he think he is? Paul wasn't a dictator. Paul cared about the safety of what we feel in this church today. This beautiful presence, a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. A little sin will affect what we feel here today. Now, listen, we want to help people get up. We want to help people get right. We want to help people move on. But a arrogant, proud attitude towards sin and acting like, oh, my my sin's no problem. And you can just commit adultery. You can be uh, 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 just sin in so many different ways and act like, oh, God just is so merciful. You're going to end up affecting what God's trying to do. And that cannot be allowed to go on. And Paul told this church, listen, you've put up with this long enough. Deliver them unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that the spirit can be saved. Now, that's almost word for word. That sounds rough. But you know what he said? Maybe if the devil beats up on them long enough, they'll come running back to the house of God. Say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, God's forgiven you and God's cleansed you and you've walked away from that life and you've been living for God and loving God. He's, he, he'll wipe your slate clean. But to walk around and act like sin isn't sinful. Second mm. Corinthians seven, verse nine says, now I rejoice. Paul's saying this now, not that you were made sorry. Preacher doesn't feel good about preaching hard and preaching against sin like he does. But he feels good about what he's trying to accomplish. But he's rejoicing that that sinner sorrowed to repentance. For you are made sorry sorry after a godly manner. You know, I've heard folks say I'm sorry. And I'm convinced sometimes they're just sorry they got caught. They're sorry they don't want to get in trouble with God. But they're not really sorry for saying or doing what they've done. They don't recognize, they've not acknowledged that it was, it was wrong. But the Bible says this person, after Paul got done telling the church what to do, they were sorry after a godly manner that they might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow, I've told you this, sorrow, godly sorrow, it's the same root word as sorry. If you're sorry or saying you're sorry, but there's no real sorrow, that's not That's not repentance. It's not godly sorrow because godly sorrow worketh repentance to the salvation. When you can say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. I'm sorry. I did you wrong to your God and to your neighbor. I'm sorry that I say, well, I didn't mean it. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. If if you hurt somebody that matters and your neighbor matters. Well, I wasn't trying to. Mistakes can be made, but that doesn't take responsibility off the fact that sometimes you have to make some things right that that just inadvertently hurt somebody. The Bible says for this self-same thing that God that's that you sorrowed after a godly sorrow. You see that down in verse 11. It's back up in verse 10 for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repentant of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. That sorrow that's just 
I just don't want to be accountable. I don't want to have consequences. That's that's sorrowing after the world and that's not that's going to work death. I just don't want to face what I said, so I'm going to say I'm sorry now drop it. That's not acknowledging your transgressions. I don't want God to get mad at me later, so I'm just going to say sorry. That's not godly sorrow. That works death. For behold, the self-same thing that you got sorrowed after a godly sort. Listen, this, what carefulness it wrought in you. Do you hear this? This is what the Bible says about godly sorrow, about repentance. You can get back up again. But this is really common sense. Really. This isn't something extra. This isn't something, wow, you're really making it tough. No, if you've done wrong and you recognize it's wrong, then you're going to be careful that you don't do it again. Amen. Like I've heard it preached to me already. If, if there's a, a, a hole in your yard, I walked into one the other day. I got a groundhog hole or something back there, and I'm out there with my lemon water in the morning just kind of looking at my yard and enjoying a morning, and I went down to my knee and threw the water up all over me, and I thought if anybody could recorded that, that would be pretty funny to watch. Now, I haven't filled it up yet, but you know what? If I fall in again and again and again, you know what? That's not just a mistake. There's a problem there. If you don't fill that hole after a while, something's wrong with you. Real sorrow for sin is going to show, not just in word, but in deed, that it's going to make you careful. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to figure out what got me here, and I'm going to be careful not to get there. I might have to look three steps back, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be more careful. Amen. Sometimes you got to clean some things out. Sometimes you got to get rid of some things that cause you to bring that. Sometimes you got to got to separate company. But whatever it does to get you there, I'm going to be careful, not at the point of danger, but I'm going to step back and see what gets me there. And recognize some of the signposts that are, that are coming my way. Say, so, you know what? I remember being down this road, and that wasn't pretty. Let's uh, detour. Carefulness. What clearing of yourselves. Not just, I'm sorry, but I'm going to clear myself. I don't want to be, I'm going to live in a way that is not just careful, but it shows that, that I don't have that kind of attitude anymore, God. I'm going to show forth a, 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 a lifestyle, decisions that I make and, and the strength in God. If you listen to God, he'll lead you in a way that people won't even just, just connect you with that kind of sin anymore. What clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, yea, what revenge in all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Clearing yourself. It's not impossible. It's not difficult. It's reasonable. If you're really sorry, if you're humble, if you recognize, hey, this is what I've done. And God, I want to be clear. I want to be forgiven and I want to be better for you. This church, God's church, God's people want to give everybody the best chance they can to be saved, to be able. And and in our in our journey of 
living for God, a just man does fall. We, we, we fail. We make some mistakes. We've, we know what it's like to have mercy, so we need to be merciful. But never, never this proud, combative attitude of, uh, that the church or even God or anybody else owes me that. We, we humble ourselves like David and say, God, be merciful to me. It's hard. It's hard for proud, carnal people to say, I made a mess. I'm responsible. I was wrong. But we ought to be good at it. We ought to be good at being humble. We ought to be good at being able to say, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to prove anything. I just, I just want to be right. And in that, we ought to be good at being showing forgiveness, showing mercy. That God could work in a beautiful way to heal, to restore, to build for his glory. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Oh, hallelujah. God is so merciful. And he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. I'm not telling somebody that so you can walk out of this place and be careless. I hope you understand carelessness is is foolishness. Preaching this to you because if you do fall in that hole and you do stumble, it can be difficult sometimes to get back up. It can be difficult when you don't feel God like you like you did when you've been chastened. It can be difficult and sometimes if you're not careful one sin can lead to another and to another because of all the things you're facing in that time of a failure. But there's help for you. Felt it earlier as we were worshiping God. There's There's no time to play games with your soul. You keep praying. You keep worshiping God. You keep getting filled up with the power of God. You need His strength. If you've stumbled, God wants to make make you right. God wants to cleanse you. And we're here to help you. Not to just go on in it, but to make it right. And then move forward forgiven. Move forward in a new life. Old things pass away. They're buried now. Forget about that. That's not who you are today. That's not who you are today. God has buried that and has given you a new life. He filled you with His Holy Ghost. He filled you with His power because those old things are gone now or He wouldn't have done it. He doesn't come into a vessel filling, living, a, practicing a sinful lifestyle, but you've, you've let that go. You put that in your past. You let God keep that buried now. And you just go forward in newness of life. But along the way, along the way, if you stumble... God will be there. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's going to help you get back up again. But it's so important. so important that we have a right attitude in it. It should be just common sense. But so many of the churches of today that are so, so 
built on pleasing people and making people comfortable. They want to downplay that, but it's not something that we should downplay. We need to take it serious. Thank God for an altar. Thank God for a place that we can find on our knees to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and he will show you mercy. Come on, let's find a place to pray. That old life is dead now. That old life is buried. You listen to me. God has forgiven you of your past sins. But as you move on past your your baptism and your infilling of the Holy Ghost, it's important to be sensitive. It's important to recognize God. I'm responsible. Jesus' name, help us, help us, Lord. I feel like God's talking to somebody here today. He's going to help you. He's going to help you.
kind of confession, the kind of apologies that I'm talking about will build stronger friendships, stronger families, and stronger Christians. Being able to be humble and acknowledge your transgressions without any strings attached, without any expectation of even forgiveness, let alone them giving the same to you, but you do what's right. And God, God will work, you'll see. Can we all stand? Lord, we love you. Thank you for your mercy. It is immeasurable. Truly, from everlasting to everlasting, you've shown us mercy, and we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your your love and your kindness to us. What a great, great Father you are to us, a great Savior. Now, Lord, I pray that we go from this house, Lord, and build a life that is, Lord, clean and right before you, God. Bless your people, I pray. God, guide us in the word that we have heard this weekend and help us, Lord, to just do your will. Bless your people and keep us safe as we travel, God. Again, we pray for Susan and the Lord, the, the horse, God, and that family, God, your work, God. And, and so each and every one of our families, God, that you'll work in a great way throughout this week. Bless this picnic tomorrow, God, with good weather and a good time, Lord God, in fellowship. And we'll give you all the glory and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church.